Hello, everybody. Well, this week you're in for a treat, as I was lucky enough to interview the very amazing Angela Taylor. Now, Angela is an integrative productivity coach, writer, and speaker, and she serves as a transformational catalyst to business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. Angela's signature method, Productivity Flow, integrates emotion, energy, time, and focus to help clients create natural productivity flow and achieve higher levels of success in business and more importantly, in life. I had a really great conversation with Angela. So if you are somebody that would love to have better productivity, maybe look at uh, eliminating some of that procrastination or becoming more efficient, even just in your everyday life, it doesn't have to be in work or in business, then definitely listen in. Hi, I'm Kate Boyle. And welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. And welcome back to the podcast. This week on the show, I have the lovely Angela. Angela, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate that. Well, it's a pleasure having you on. And today we're going to be chatting about productivity. And I know you work with it a little bit differently than most. So can you just give us a bit of a brief introduction, you know, of who you are to the audience? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um I'm Angela Kristen Taylor, and I founded a concept called Integrative Productivity. And so it's uh, based on the concept that productivity is rooted in emotion. So the things that we think of, like time management or setting goals, like those are great, and they're absolutely a part of what I do. But most of the people that I've worked with have come to me saying, I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. And I don't know why. And when we started digging into why they weren't doing the things, we realized that it was more of old stuff, old emotions, old traumas, and the energy that they have, um, that they they put into their body, right, uh, physically, that, and and things like, you know, how you move your body, how you eat, how you sleep, things like that, that were really affecting their emotions and their emotions affecting their motivation in their energy to actually get up and do the things that they knew they were supposed to do. So uh, I've been coaching now for 20 years and uh, (laughs) a long time. Long time. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I started out actually working just with um, real estate agents. Oh, that's an interesting niche. Yeah. Yeah. I actually was a real estate agent uh, back in the day and segued out of working as an agent and uh, doing marketing work for other agents because I had kids and I wanted to stay home with them. And so I started doing that. And then from there started, I was just on the phone talking to my agents all the time and walking them through their problems. And then found out that was something called coaching I could actually charge for. And so I was like, well, that's a lot easier and way more fun. So I shut down the marketing side of the business and just started coaching. It's been 20 years now. So, yeah. 
And was there, you know, often, you know, I loved your approach in that it is about, you know, you're bringing up your nutrition and your movement and how that affects everything. But was there a catalyst in your own life that kind of made you explore and move into this field as such? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. So um, I grew up with, um, well-intentioned parents <laughs> who were very young and didn't really know what they were doing. And I was the oldest. So I was the guinea pig. And uh, my mother is to this day, she's very organized and very um, just meticulous in how everything is done. And to give you an example, she's way in an extreme of, of what people would think of as being efficient or, product, or productive. Um, she has her, her recipes alphabetized and in a three month rotating schedule. And then her grocery (laughs) list is on her computer and it's organized by aisle that things appear in the store. Wow. So yes. And so that was my example of, you know, what it was like to be clean and organized and functional in life. And I was never like that ever. And I was her polar opposite. And you could not see the floor in my bedroom as a child. And uh, my car was no better when I, when I got a car. And then uh, when I moved out on my own, my, my house was like that. And I was just this walking disaster and I would attract chaos just constantly around me. And I, um, I got married very young. I was 20 and he was 29 and we had already lived together for two years. So it just felt like a natural progression, even though I was was very, very young. And I started buying houses. So we bought our first house when I was 19. And by the time I was 22, I owned four homes and I was renting three of them out and managing them as rental properties. I had gotten my real estate license. And so I was selling real estate and, um, and then I was living in one property we'd fixed up each house. So we'd bought it, moved into it, fixed it up and then rented it out and bought another one. So we just kept doing that. And so I got to this point where you know, when I was 25 and I, I had my first child where everything was starting to implode around me because I was just, I'd, I'd find something that was a good thing. And then I would do it so much that I would just create chaos out of it, you know? And I was spending money like crazy and didn't even know what I bought half the time. I was just, I just wanted to buy stuff. And I realized that this, this chaos was coming from inside of me and that I had been through so much trauma as a kid um, with my parents. And then they were divorced when I was five and there was this massive custody battle and we were dragged back and forth. And then, you know, the parents hated each other and there was, you know, they're both venting to me as a small child and, you know, just lots of things that were just going on. It was never nothing I would necessarily classify as abuse so much as just um, pretty much just how you raised kids back then compared to now, um, people might look back on that and go, Oh, that was abusive. Not necessarily. It was just sort of what everybody did back then. Um, but it was definitely emotional trauma that I was experiencing. And so what happened is that as I grew up, I had this, this, this chaos inside of me from that trauma. It was all leftover emotions, things that I wasn't processing or even knowing really was in there. It was just buried, you know, in my subconscious. And it was going through my first marriage. We had two kids and when they were five and two, um, we were having a lot of problems and things where I just thought, 
he's not right. Something's not right there. And so we went to see a counselor and she diagnosed him as being bipolar and he refused to accept the diagnosis and got up and left and wouldn't come back. And so he refused to do anything about it. And I said, okay, well, I have a choice here. I'm either going to raise my children in this environment, or I'm going to say, no, this is not a healthy relationship. And I was going to leave. And so that's what I did. And I spent six years as a single mom and it was very difficult because I was self-employed the entire time. Mm -hmm. And um, right in the middle of it, the entire real estate market here in the US just crashed. And so real estate agents were getting out of the business like crazy. You'd been successful, you know, millionaire real estate agent one day and next day they were working at the Starbucks, you know? (laughs) So it was just a very difficult time. And so I was struggling just to feed us, to keep a roof over our head, you know? And I remember there's this one point where I was, you know, and I still had it, even as a productivity coach, I still had all of this chaos inside of me. And I was doing all the things that, you know, we knew to do traditionally in productivity coaching, which is, you know, you set your goal and you hold them accountable to what that goal was. And there's some sort of punishment or reward at the end of the goal, you know, Mm -hmm. to make sure they achieve it. And it just, it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me at all. I couldn't do that for myself. And for some people it would work, but other people, they were struggling just as much as I was and, and they weren't moving forward any more than I was. Right. And so there was this one moment where I was, it was just a really, really hard day. And I was in the shower and I was crying, like ugly crying in the shower. (laughs) And I was sitting on the floor and I was in the shower because I didn't want the kids to hear me crying, you know? And so I was there and I remember thinking, God, there was just somebody who could just come by and reach out their arm and pick me up and just hold me and tell me everything's going to be okay. Like we're going to get through this, you know, like that's what I needed in that moment. And I realized that there wasn't anybody coming. There wasn't anybody who was going to do that. And I couldn't afford a coach as much as I needed one. I couldn't afford therapy as much as I needed it, you know? And so I said, you know, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to be the one that reaches out and picks me up off the floor. And I'm going to have to do that. And so I did. And I started looking into all the things that were going to help me heal. And it was also in that moment that I realized I didn't want anybody else to ever be in that place because it was so hard and so painful. And I thought nobody should have to be in that space where they're sitting on the floor crying so that their kids can't hear them. And then just needing somebody to be there and not having anyone. I said, I, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen to other people. And so for me, as I was going through this process of healing, I was documenting everything. I was keeping track of it and saying, this is what I'm going to use with my clients. This is going to help them. And so I kept doing that. And I realized that, you know, we always talked about, you know, time in, in time management organization and stuff like that and productivity, but we didn't talk about things like emotions or our childhood experiences or trauma or our relationships. We didn't talk about those things, but those are the things that would stop us in our productivity all the time. And so I, um, I went through, you know, I got certified as a health coach. I, you know, understood like the nutritional aspect and 
that really shifted things because I started to understand this, this tie in between our emotions and our energy in the sense of if we are in a state of, you know, we've had a bad day and emotionally we're just wrecked that day for whatever we're drained, we're exhausted, we're tired, we're stressed, whatever. We don't make the healthiest food choices when we're in that space. And then we're less likely to get up and move our body because we just, we don't want to, we're tired, you know? And so if you get into a cycle of where you're not eating the right foods and you're not moving your body, then what happens is, you know, that's affecting your gut health. And so then your gut health is affecting your emotional state, but your emotional state is what made you make those choices, right? So now we've created this, this nasty cycle. And now that's also so preventing us from sleeping, it's making us more feel more higher levels of stress rather than lower levels of stress. And then that's going to affect our motivation through the day, which is going to affect, doesn't matter how much you block your time out, if you don't feel like doing it and you don't push yourself to do it, then it's not going to get done. And if you do push yourself to do it, it's going to be a big old mess because you're not in the emotional space to be able to do it right. And so then your time management is, is a disaster. And then you realize that there's, you don't even know where it is that you're going or what you're even doing this for half the time, because emotionally you're just not there. And so you realize that your focus is off and you don't even know what you're focusing on. And so I realized that there were four elements to productivity and it was emotion, energy, time, and focus. And if we could bring all four of them together, then we would actually be able to get things done and feel good about it feel motivated, feel inspired, and be lit up knowing where we're going, how to allocate our time, how to drive our energy so that we can do all these things, and then heal all the emotions that are stopping us. And it was then that I started doing all of that with me, and I was doing all of this with my clients, and I was seeing a huge difference. My clients were seeing a huge difference, and it just sort of took off from there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, a lot of that resonates with me um, being in the movement and nutrition space and working with Mm -hmm. people. The same thing, we generally won't get that breakthrough that they want or progress, you know, to where they want to be unless they start to dive into their emotions. And usually there's some form of trauma, whether or not it's from childhood or it's, you know, it's physical or there's Mm -hmm. loss of a loved one or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's when people have a cry and come to that realization, and sometimes it's in class, that Mm -hmm. they then actually make that breakthrough or that change. So I definitely relate a lot to that. But what I will say is, Do you ever find that people are, you know, emotions can be very difficult for people to deal Mm -hmm. with. You know, some people are very resistant to that. So do you Mm -hmm. generally have people that come to you that are like, they've gotten to that point where they're just ready, something has to change, or do they still have that resistance around diving into those emotions? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, Most of the people that are reaching out to me, if they're at that point to reach out to me, they're ready to do that work. Now, occasionally I'll find one who reaches out to me that's not ready. And I know it right away because um, when they book a a productivity breakthrough session with me, which is sort of an introductory call, um, there's a form. And I ask a lot of questions on that form. And what happens though, is that allows me 
to get all the information that I know I need to be able to assess where they are in that moment. And what's interesting is that the people who are ready to do the work, they fill out paragraphs, just paragraphs of content. And the ones who aren't give me like one line answers. (laughs) Still holding back. (laughs) Yes. And I can tell right then just from that form before I even get on a call with them where they're at and if they're ready to, to dive in and do that work or not. Yeah. So if people are sort of listening in and they're like, this is all resonating, like this is, you know, this is me, they're listening in and going, yep, this is me. Where can they start to try to, you know, become more productive? What would be the first step? Yeah. So um, the first thing that I do with everybody is um, an exercise that I call setting your GPS. Because, you know, if we're, if we're going to go somewhere, right, we get into our car and what do we do? We program the GPS. We say, this is where I'm going. And what happens is that, you know, it, our, our vehicle can then tell us how to get from where we are to where we're going to go and to do it in the most efficient way possible so that we're avoiding the traffic or the accidents or whatever. It's going to take us point A to point B in the smoothest way. And we don't do that in our lives. <laughs> we don't sit and think about where is it that we really want to go? What do we want our ideal destination to be? And so if you can think of what that perfect day would look like, what is that ideal day? And imagine from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed and what that day looks like, really dig in. You know, what did you eat that day? How did you move? How did you interact with people? What people are around you? What did you do with your with your job or your clients with work? And, and what are you working on? You know, what does that look like? How are you earning money? Just put the whole thing together. Where are you living? What are you driving? Like the whole thing. And not from a, a material aspect, but from an aspect of what experiences do you want to have? You know, what do you want to do in the world? How do you want to be growing and learning? And so when you put that together and you have that, that outlined for yourself then it's easier to then create a schedule, a timeline for yourself and say, okay, if I want my life to look like this, well, what can I start doing to build myself to get to that point? And so one of the things that I did right away, the first time I did that exercise was I realized that on Friday, I, you know, in my ideal world, I wasn't working Fridays that I, not only was I wasn't working Fridays, I wasn't working past 2 PM in the day. And that I also was only working the first three weeks because I never wanted, I wanted to take a week off every month. And so I thought, well, that would be like the perfect schedule to have. And then I looked at my calendar. I'm like, why am I not doing this now? Because I could be. And so that was the first thing I did. And then that I did that for a year. And then the next year I said, I don't want to work Mondays either. And so I took that off the, off the calendar. And so then it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from nine o'clock until two o'clock, but only the first three weeks. So then on week four off, if there's a week five, like this month, I get that off too. And then I don't have to work those times. So I'm working 45 hours a month and still earning the same income that I was earning before. <laughs> yes. Well, I know. <laughs> I'm going to say there's probably a lot of people listening in going, yeah, but how do you do that? Because I don't think that's like, I don't think that's possible. I would love for that to happen, but how do you get 
the five day work week and still get the same amount of work done in a three day work week and still make the same amount of money. Yeah. See, so that is really starting to allocate how are you earning money and what things are you doing? What things do you not need to be doing? And, you know, just like the, the emotional and energetic piece, if you don't have that on point, then it takes you 10 times longer to do everything because you're just not in the mental space to be doing it. Or it takes you so long because you're spending your reels because you don't know what your focus is. You don't, a lot of times people are, you know, they're, they're stressing over social media and what they're going to post and what they're going to make it about or whatever, but they, they don't have a strategy behind it. They're posting to post. And so one of the benefits of knowing what your focus is by setting your GPS is that you have a clear path in front of you. You know exactly what it is you're looking to get to. You know what you're building and why you're building it. So when you know that, then there's things that you realize you're doing that you're like, well, I don't need to be doing that. That's not taking me to where I want to go because you have that focus. You know what the plan is. A lot of the time we're, we're wasting time on doing things that are not moving us forward. They're just things we think we're supposed to do, you know? And so when you take that stuff off the plate, you realize, well, there's really not that all that stuff left. You know, when, um, when I met my, my current husband and we've been together for 11 years and he had two kids and he was single dad and I had my two kids and we, we brought everybody together, you know, we had two dogs between us, four kids between us. And, um, it was funny because everything just started coming together in our lives. It was so amazing right after we met. And, uh, then we had a baby two years later. And so at that point it was the absolute busiest that I had ever been in my life. And so I had five kids. I was homeschooling the four. I, the, the fifth one was a brand new baby. So I was breastfeeding constantly. And, um, then I was teaching as much sleep as you probably needed. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I, I was teaching three live classes every week that I had to drive to and from, um, I was coaching 40 different real estate agents and, um, I still had time to spend time with the kids. Um, our house was always clean. We had homemade food always in the fridge, two fridges with all those people. Mm. <laughs> and um, what else? Gosh, I mean, I, I had time to spend with my husband. He worked five minutes away. So we were able to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with each other every single day. Um, we were, I had time to watch old movies with my daughter and um, read and do yoga and uh, just spend quiet time to myself. And, and people were just blown away. Like, how do you fit all that in? How do you do all of that? And it was just because I had it very well organized, very time blocked and, and very um, just, I, I didn't have any outside help. I didn't have a housekeeper. I didn't have a cook. Um, I had us in the house and that was it, you know, and the kids would watch the baby <laughs> <laughs> occasionally I, at the very beginning, um, cause I didn't trust them yet. I did have a babysitter that came in while I would leave to teach the classes. Um, but she was only there for a couple of hours and then she'd leave when I got back home. But, uh, it was just, it was just a matter of organizing my time really well and putting my time into the things that were actually moving me forward or moving my business forward or moving the kids forward and not spending time in things that we're just supposed to do, you know? 
Yeah. And that just makes all the difference because when we really boil down to what we actually have to do, it's, it's not as much as we think it is. Hi, everyone. I'm interrupting this podcast just quickly to let you know about Lean 14. If you want to have more energy, lose weight, start moving, and just feel really good again, but maybe you're not sure where to start, then definitely check out my program, Lean 14. Now, Lean 14 is a complete program with a 14-day food and meal plan, recipes, shopping lists, Pilates workouts, templates for meal prepping and goal setting, as well as video trainings to help you kickstart your health and fitness. It really provides you with an easy to follow, clear plan of where to start with your diet, nutrition, looking after yourself, and the best bit, you can start at any time and there's no crazy food or expensive equipment or complicated instructions involved. It's really simple, it's easy, and best of all, it's effective. And I don't want you to miss out. To grab it now, simply head over to the show notes and click the Lean 14 link or head on over to the Mind Movement Health website and under the Programs tab, you can hit Lean 14. Now, this program is based on my 18 years of experience of working in the health and fitness field and the results that I've gotten for thousands of women that I have worked with during that time. So head on over to the show notes and check it out because it will change your life. Yeah. And I, you mean, sounds like the prioritization, you know, of, of what's really important and trying to get rid of the tasks that I refer to as the busy tasks, the things that you, mm-hmm. you know, make you feel productive, but at the end of the day, they're not actually moving the needle mm-hmm. essentially. So that seems like a big part of it, but I feel that it's probably a part that still people maybe don't recognize that they, Mm -hmm. they're just the busy things. Like they have to reply to their emails because there's emails in their inbox, but is that just busy work or is that, you know, work that has to be done right now? Yeah. You know, and that's the thing that if you're, if you're time blocking things out so that you know, when you're meant to do something, you know, a lot of times it takes us so much longer because we're either not in that mental space to do it or we're distracted by things. So we're stopping and starting all the time instead of having a focused, dedicated time to do something. And a lot of times our minds are wandering, right? And so um, I used to say this all the time is that, um, you know, you have your browser tab open, right? On your, on your computer and you're sitting down, you're like, okay, I'm going to work. I'm going to do this thing. And so you've got your browser tab open, you're doing whatever. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, you know, I forgot, I meant to go buy a new comforter. Let me go and look real quick online. (laughs) Now you've got another tab open. Oh, that's right. I meant to call that company. I got to call them and fix that bill. So now you got another tab open and you're on the phone. And then, you know, somebody else calls you and then you're talking for a little bit and then they say something and then you're on social media and then you're, you're browsing through social media, maybe while you're talking on the phone and you're doing all these different things. And then you're not getting back to the one thing that you sat down to do. And that is just, just an all too familiar situation for so many of us because we just get lost in what we're doing. And instead of being focused and, and dedicated doing specific things, you know, I mean, one of the things that I, I, I started doing when we had all the kids together was I started bulk cooking because we had so many different food allergies 
and (laughs) one house. And then like, um, you know, I was vegan and then my husband was vegetarian and then two of the kids wouldn't touch a vegetable to save their lives (laughs) and wanted only like meat and potatoes. And um, then we had my daughter who was allergic to dairy and then my husband's allergic to gluten. And then (laughs) it's just, he's also allergic to strawberries. It was just like so many different things, you know? And so I was like, okay, I can't, I can't do meals in a household like that. It's just not going to happen. So what I started doing was I, I just started bulk cooking and putting specific things, you know, like, okay, well, here's chicken, here's beef, here's greens, here's vegetables, here's potatoes. And it was kind of a make your own meal every night out of what we had, but it made it so easy because I can make all this stuff and and do it once a week. And it would take me about four hours. Well, how long does it take you to make a meal every single night, you know, or to make lunch every single day? And it takes so much time. And if you put all that time together and look at it over the course of the week and then say, well, it takes me four hours to bulk cook. And then I have food prepared for the entire week. You're saving like, it's like half the time, you know? And that's another thing uh, that I do with my clients is have them uh, keep a time journal. So I'm sure you're, you know, you have do food journals and things like that. When people are starting out time journal works the same way. Uh, you just write down what you're doing, how long it takes you. So when do you start? When do you stop? And then the most important thing is how do you feel when you're doing it? Because mm. then that tells us what your ideal time of day to work in is. So for me, it's 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's when I am at my tip top best, most productive, most creative, most energized is right between nine to two. Now, after that, my energy starts to drift drift off, right? And so I don't want to be working during those times. So I knew that's the time when I need to be working. But it also shows you where you could be moving things together to save time or what things that you're doing that you're like, wait a minute, why did I, I spent four hours doing that? That didn't give me anything, you know? Or I could have outsourced that for somebody on Fiverr for $10 by doing that. And so you start to really look and see um, and analyze how you're using your time. And that really, um, it makes a huge difference. We've seen that um, quite a bit. We're running a, um, a group program right now. And the women that are in this program, they're just, they were amazed when they did the time journal and just for a week, just one week, track your time, how you feel during things. And they were blown away because they realized not just about how they were using their time, but how they felt during the use of their time. They realized that they were doing things that they were good at, but didn't enjoy doing it all. And they hated it. And they would procrastinate so much in doing it that it would take them so much longer to get it done. And they would say like, why am I even doing this? This is not something that I need to be doing. And then they know, hey, this is something I need to delegate. This is something I need to push off, you know, if it's something that even needs to be done. Yeah. Well, you touched on procrastination. And I think that's an interesting point because most people Mm -hmm. sort of say, oh, I know I'm not productive. I procrastinate too much. You know, I get distracted. I go on social media. I put off the task. Mm -hmm. And realistically, like you said, we have to look at 
you know, the task itself, whether or not we're enjoying it, mm-hmm. is it essential? Can we offload it to somebody else and yeah. delve into maybe why we're procrastinating, not just and labeling ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, there's also an emotional component that comes up with that because I'll tell you as much as I've, I know about this and as long as I've been doing it, the the last year we went and rebranded the entire company and we went from a one-to-one model to a one-to-many model. And so we created um, three different coaching programs and uh, we launched our podcast and um, my, my team grew. And so there was like so much stuff that we did last year. And it was all in this same mission and focus. Like when I was sitting on the floor of the shower crying was that I don't want anybody to be stuck in that position where they can't get the help that they need. And so that means that I need to grow my voice and spread my message farther and make a bigger impact and and create a larger reach. And so in order to do that, I had to go through this whole process, right? And so as I was doing that, I realized that I was starting to drag my feet. I'm like, why am I dragging my feet on this? Like, this is something I've really been wanting to do, but what happened is like, you know, like your throat, right? You you use your voice (laughs) and using your voice and, and getting to a point where you're, you're really raising the volume of your voice, basically metaphorically, right? Yeah. Raising the volume of our voice. We're reaching more people that can be very scary. Success can be very scary Because even though you know you're doing the right thing, you know you're doing what you're meant to be doing, doing it at a higher level is terrifying because there's this piece inside of you that still can say, and I was was going through all this all last year, you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. You know, who are you to go out there and do all this stuff? And then you hear the voices that you physically heard as a child, right? I heard a lot of times... I'm too much. I can only handle you in small doses. You're too much for me. I used to hear that from my mom, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> so, but that kind of stuff comes up. And then you're thinking like, how can I do this? How can I go out there and, and be this person that's leading others, guiding others? And then you have to go back and realize how much you do help people, how much you do lead, how much you do guide. And that that sometimes creates the procrastination. It creates this feeling of, of us dragging our feet because there's a fear of what if we do it? What if we do it and we're not good enough? What if we do it and we fall apart? Or what if we do it and then we're a whole different person? And then that means saying goodbye to this old version of ourselves that we've clung to for so long because that's the survivor in us, Right. And if we have to let go of her, what does that mean? So there's like all this stuff that comes up around that and it, it shows up physically in our body. I know um, as I was going through this last year, I actually had to go and, and I worked with an emotion code practitioner because um, my, uh, my shoulders were in such pain and it was coming from my neck. And I didn't know why I couldn't sleep on either side for like six months and I'm a side sleeper. So that was like very awkward to be laying on my back. It felt very uncomfortable. I couldn't move at night. And um, 
I went to the chiropractor and he couldn't fix it. And I was working with an Agoski practitioner on these different movements, you know, put your body into alignment, didn't work. I'm like, my gosh, like everything, usually this stuff works for me and um, nothing. And then I started working with this emotion code practitioner and she was like, your throat chakra is all kinds of blocked. And so she started helping me with that. And it, it made a huge difference. I mean, two, three sessions with her, it was completely gone. And um, she was talking about me about all this energy work and that just totally got me going in this whole other direction um, and how to integrate that into our programs. And, and one of the things that we did um, with this, this new program that we started is we brought in a, a hypnotherapist and a, she's also a rapid transformational therapist. So she was trained by Marissa Peer and we brought her in and she does a session with our clients every month to help them unblock all of the stuff that might be holding them back that's buried in their subconscious, like all my stuff was. Yeah. yeah. Things that up people aren't even mm-hmm. aware of essentially. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think change for people is a scary thing. You know, mm-hmm. people generally are creatures of habit. So they stick to their routines and even to the point where it might not even be working that well, but it's familiar and they know how to do it. And they have that belief that the change is going to be harder than what they already know. So they resist it. So, you know, I do find that and, and that's completely normal, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, part of being a human, I think, but how do you work with just briefly with your clients, if they are sort of coming up and sort of saying, you know, Angela, change is scary. And, I, you know, I don't know if I want to do that because I'm scared that, like you said, I might not be able to be good enough or make it or, you know, be the person I want to be. Yeah. Well, we always go back into where those fears came from, where they came from, because we start to understand what the, um, what the background is there, right? Because if they're fearing change, it's, it's usually because they don't know how to, they don't know how to not struggle. They don't know how to not be in survival mode all the time. And that's usually the case with my clients anyway. And so what happens is this idea of things being easy or things being smooth or relaxed, it's like, they don't know what that is. They don't know what that is. So it, it, it's, it's, it's not something that they can consciously uh, latch onto and say, yes, I get this. I understand that this is going to be amazing. You know, they might tie into that when they're going into like a, um, a meditation or something. And they're like, yes, I can see it. You know, or they put a vision board together. Like, yes, I'm totally going to have this, you know? Um, but when it comes down to actually doing the things that are going to take them there, they find themselves freezing. They, they just, they freeze and then they're, they're not doing it. And, and that's, that's usually going back to some sort of childhood trauma or something like that. So I know when um, Mina, our, our hypnotherapist, when she came on board and before that um, she did a session with me. And one of the things that came up was a situation with my mom where she had dropped me off at this, um, like a daycare center or something for the day. And it was just, I'd never been there before. I was two years old and she dropped me off at this little daycare place and she had left me there and, uh, said that when she came back, 
I, my whole face was swollen because I'd been crying the entire time and nobody called her. Nobody told her that I was having problem or anything. And they just let me sit there and cry. And that when she came back to get me that, you know, that she picked me up and she was very upset with them. And then, and then we left, you know, um, in this session, I could feel myself in that space and this feeling of abandonment just washed over me and being able to finally grasp onto my mom and like feeling my face on her neck and and grabbing onto her hair and holding her and being held by her. And it was like, I could relive that experience. And it was just so powerful because I realized that something like that, just this feeling of abandonment had had held me back for so long. And I could look at that now, look back on that and say, wow, I can see where this has shown up for me in so many different spaces in my life, right? And and how it stopped me. But now I understand, well, that's just what that's just what that was. Well, now I can move forward. You know, I had a client that um we were able to very quickly identify she was really having trouble um getting up and doing video. And um, promoting her business. And she knew that video was absolutely the way to go. And she was terrified. She's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Every time she would say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it this time. (laughs) And then she wouldn't do it. And we started to dig back. Okay, well, what's going on here? What's the feeling that you're having when you go to do video. She goes, I feel like nobody wants to listen to anything I have to say. Why would anything I say be important? And why wouldn't they just go to the next video? And they don't want to see me. I'm like, okay, well, why would you think that? And then she started, she started thinking about it. She's like, I don't know. And then she started thinking back. She goes, oh, when I was little, my older brother used to tell me I was fat and ugly and nobody wanted to hear anything I had to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, do you believe that now? And she goes, of course not. And I said, okay. I said, well, do you think that could be holding you back from doing the video? She said, you know, I think it might be. She goes, I think that it's like, it's his voice in the back of my head that I'm hearing that's saying this. I'm like, okay, well, she could do video after that. It was just, sometimes it's just putting awareness around where something is coming from. And then we say, oh, that's what it is. That's all. Forget it. (laughs) I don't need that anymore. And so we kind of can leave it behind just knowing what it is and then move forward from there. You know, yeah, I think that awareness is a big piece, whether mm-hmm. or not we're talking about productivity, but just making any changes in your life. You've got to be aware of things first before you're even able to take that next step. Um, but before we finish up, what I did want to touch on is purpose and how do you find purpose is interlinked with productivity and does it, you know, do you find that people can become more productive if they really have sort of found their purpose or can they still have that productivity even though they haven't quite, you know, cemented what their purpose may be yet? Yeah. So purpose definitely plays a huge role. So it goes back to what I was saying about setting your GPS. When you know what it is that you want to have and know why it is that you want to have it. And this, this goes beyond a big why. A lot of people talk about having a big why. It goes beyond that. It and it's it's really about setting goals that are actually um, an end result 
So it's like, for instance, somebody will say, well, um, you know, what goal do you want to have? And they'll say, well, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars this year. Okay, great. What are you going to do with that? (laughs) Because having a bunch of paper in your hand is not a goal. That's a means to an end. It's not an end. And so it's really, it's not about the money. It's about what the money brings. And so it could be security. It could be independence. It could be um, experiences that you want to have with your family or, you know, you want to travel or go somewhere because you just want to be in that space or that energy of that space. That's great. Well, that's the goal, not the hundred thousand dollars. Right. So we start to understand more about what it is that we want and why we want it then it's easier to have some sort of purpose with that. And our purpose usually, usually goes into something that I I always ask people because they say, you know, people say, well, what's my purpose? And then they say, well, think about what it is that you really want to do or who you really want to help. It's like, no, I want you to go into your biggest source of pain. What is your biggest source of pain in your life? What was your biggest challenge that you had to overcome? Because that's your purpose. That's it's right in there. And so for me, it was that moment that I told you about sitting on the floor of the shower crying. That's where my purpose is. And so everything that I that I do that I'm thinking about doing, um, the plans that I have for the future of my company and what I'm building, it all relates to that kind of, you know, no person left behind sitting on the floor of the shower. <laughs> You know, we, we want to pick people up. We want to let them know, Hey, you can, you can get past this and you're going to heal this and you're going to move your business forward and you're going to do it because there's something bigger inside of you and nothing's going to stop you. And you're big enough and great enough and amazing enough and capable enough. And you are enough and this is going to happen. And, and that's what we do. Right. But there's a purpose to that. It's that, Nobody should feel that kind of emotional pain. I don't want anybody to experience that. And when they experience it, I don't want them to experience it alone or feel lost or stuck in that moment, you know, because so many people use that and say, this is where I give up. And there's so much on the other side of that if you don't, you know, but we need that support to keep going. So for me, that's my purpose. You know, I want, I want to help people heal all these things that are stopping them from making their life or their business exactly what they want it to be. That's me, right? So when we dig into our deepest pain, we usually find what it is that we really want to do in the world, how we really want to impact other people. And it really does break down to what do we want to experience? How do we want to grow? And what do we want to contribute to the world? That's where it is. And so when we understand that purpose, that purpose drives us because that's something that we really can lock onto. That's our true inner GPS setting that says, this is what we're after. And so everything that you do tends to go somehow in that direction. And then it makes everything worthwhile. So the other things tend to fall away, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think like you explained it really well, because if you do that work and then you can get really focused on that, it does make everything clearer. Again, it shows you what's important, what you should be focusing on. And like you said, everything else just kind of drops away. But I think that's obviously a really powerful and important, you know, process to go through 
yeah. in order to get to that point. And that's where maybe a lot of people, I'm just generalizing, but maybe a lot of people, you know, that's where they need to spend more time getting to that point. Because I think, mm-hmm. like you said, we do just get busy with everyday life and, you know, whether or not you've got kids and your business and whatever it is, and you get pulled in so many different directions that you just kind of keep going one day yeah. to the next to get through. And that sort of work can just fall to the wayside. Yeah, that's, um, you know, it's it's like we're we're sitting there and we're struggling and we're treading water, right? Yeah. And we feel like we're going to go under any minute. And what we don't realize is that when we actually set that focus and we realize what it is that we actually want to do in the world, and it becomes this big inner journey, this purpose, and we see how everything in our life up to that point has taken us to here. And then we can look forward and see the other side of that timeline and see everything that we have the potential of doing from here. Then what happens is we realize that we don't have to sit there and and struggle in the water anymore, that we can bring ourselves up and literally walk on top of it. And everything's better. And it makes all the difference in the world. I'm saying, who doesn't want to be feeling like they're walking on top of water? Because right? I would definitely. <laughs> now, I always finish off um, the podcast by asking my guests, what's, you know, today, if you could say to the listeners, one thing that they could just, you know, after finishing listening to this, they could just go off and do straight away to help with their productivity, what would it be? Okay. So I gave you two things here um, in the podcast. One is set your GPS. Imagine your ideal day from start to finish and go into all the details and write that all down, write it all down. Okay. And then once you write it all down, write it down as if you're, you're living it right. As it's a present moment, record yourself saying it into your phone, like that you're reading it out and you're telling your best friend and you're super excited. So read it with, with, with passion. Okay. Read it into your phone. And then every night before you go to bed, listen to it, just listen to it and let yourself fall asleep as you're listening to that. And then second thing that they could do, not that you asked, but a second thing that you could do is once you have that, start looking at a timeline. How do you create this? What does it look like? What do you need to do first? When, what will you do you know, this year versus next year? Put these things into some sort of an order and figure out how to get from where you're at now to what that ideal destination is. Wow. That's amazing piece of advice that I'm going to go away and do myself too. <laughs> so thank you very Good much works. for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> you're very welcome. <laughs> so where can listeners reach out, connect and follow you? Yeah. So um, my website is AngelaKristenTaylor.com. You can also go to ProductiveFlow.com, which makes it easier to spell. Um, But ProductiveFlow.com will take you right there. Uh, They can uh, see the programs that we offer. And uh, I'm getting ready to create a workshop um, on setting your GPS. So that's going to, we don't have it done yet, but that's going to be something we'll be doing sometime in April. Um, and then we'll be running that pretty consistently. So uh, we'll have that up and that'll be up on the website and my podcast and everything is up there as well. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing such a wealth of knowledge. It's been lovely chatting to you and a great pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening into the podcast. 
please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.